Uh, I want to go back down that Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, they, uh, you know, using that same secret recipe since 1975, dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast, takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. And uh, we're happy to be joined by uh, Minnesota Wild uh, beat writer from the St. Paul Pioneer Press, Dane Mizutani. How are we doing today, Dane? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Oh, I'm doing uh, doing just fine here, buddy. Uh, you know, tough flames lost last night, but you guys had a tough one as well uh, in Florida, or taking on Florida, falling in the shootout, and we'll we'll get out to that one right now. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov, he scored his 30th. Uh, another great performance from Philip Gustafson in net as well. But, you know, how's it been lately? Mm-hmm. It, it's It's been a struggle for goals, and I know last night, Dean Evanson, he's done talking about lack of offense. Yeah, they, they can't score right now, uh, and, and they can't score five-on-five five in particular. Um, and the biggest concern with that is this team was, was third in the league last year with five-on-five mm-hmm. five scoring. Um, they're 28th in the league this year, five-on-five five scoring. I think it's only 87 goals at, at even strength all season, um, and you just can't win games consistently mm-hmm. like that. Um, they've been getting really good goaltending play, especially from Phil Gustafson, like you mentioned. Um, he's been a a very pleasant surprise to the team this year. Um, but when you can't put the puck in the back of the net, it puts a ton of stress on, on the goaltenders. So whether it's Marc-Andre Fleury or Philip Gustafson, these guys are entering the net each night feeling like if we allow two, we're probably going to lose because they can't score right now. So uh, Dean Evison, you're right. He, he said last night, I'm not talking about it anymore. The more we talk about it, it gets credence to this thing. And eventually maybe we'll start believing it if we talk about it too much. Um, but I do think deep down he is concerned. Um, he's saying everything, the, the right things publicly, mm-hmm. um, as he's been known to do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if, if you're a Wild fan or in the Wild front office or the coaching staff or on the team um, and you're not concerned about the scoring, um, I don't know what to tell you because it, it, it's been an issue this year. Now, now, a guy that's not relied on so much for scoring anymore, but definitely more in the leadership uh, category. Marcus Foligno left that game yesterday after blocking a shot. Uh, he did not return. How, any uh, update on his status going forward? Yeah, we'll have an optional practice here in about 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. But talking to Dean Evanson after the game, sounds like just a really bad stinger, Okay, um, which is good. I guess good in a way, because when we saw Marcus Foligno crumble the ice, um, he's as tough of a guy as it gets in the NFL or in the NHL. Um, and, and to watch him struggle to the bench and need help to get to the locker room, you, you assume the worst. Um, but, yeah, it sounds like he took a puck off the knee, um, just kind of a bad stinger. Um, the nerves kind of mm-hmm. reacted the way they did on the ice. Um, but it sounds like they're hopeful he's going to play tomorrow. Again, they have an optional here at about 20 minutes at 1030 Central Time. So we'll, we'll, we'll get a better indication then. Um, but it doesn't sound like a serious injury. It doesn't sound like Marcus Lino will miss a significant amount of time, even if he does have to miss tomorrow's game against the Avalanche. Uh, a stat from last night, uh, I, I saw, I was following, uh, following the wild game along Twitter or along your Twitter, uh, uh, feed as well. And it was like a lot of penalty kills seven for seven on the PK. Now that's impressive yeah. against any, especially that Panther offense, but obviously that's not a recipe for success. And then, uh, and then you want to get into, has discipline been a concern for the club lately? Yeah, they, they, they're, they're taking too many penalties and, and, you know, it, it's kind of reared its ugly head at different times throughout this season. They kind of got back on track to start the homestand as, as far as being disciplined, you know, having 
you know, moving their feet rather than kind of reaching with their stick. Um, but you kind of saw it kind of all crum- crum- crumbling down yesterday. There were some questionable calls here and there, but when you take seven minors in the game, it's not all questionable calls. Yeah. Um, they, there were issues yesterday, uh, you know, that just kind of continued to recur like they have all season. Um, and, and, and similar to the 5-on-5 five five scoring, like if the Wild can, cannot stay out of the box, they're not going to be able to win at a consistent rate. Um, and that, Dean Emerson has said as much. Um, he's gone as far as scratching certain players. Ryan Hartman, um, 34 goals last year, was their top-line center. Um, dealt with some injuries this year, um, but, but has had a down year by his standards. Um, he was a healthy scratch a couple of weeks ago because he couldn't stop taking undisciplined. Just, they, they've, 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 they've taken too many this year, and um, it, it's continued to be an issue. And, and Dean Everson has gone as far as taking away some playing time. I think before I was cut off, um, I, you know, I was talking about Ryan Hartman. He was their yeah. number one center last year, dealing with some injuries this year, but comes back, continues to take undisciplined penalties, and and Dean Everson finally had enough. Healthy scratched him um, a couple of weeks ago. So I, I think it's gotten to a point where you can say all these all these things, and, and at a certain point you need action. Um, Dean Everson is not afraid to kind of take action as it's seen. Um, but, yeah, seven minors in the game. Um, the Wild were fortunate to get a point on the last night um, with, with, with the undisciplinedness in their game. For sure. Away from the ice, uh, Bill Guerin has also come out and said that this club is not in the position to be moving high picks for rental pieces. You got, you, they do mm-hmm. have, I believe, uh, they have their first and their second. And they're missing a third in the, over the next two years, I believe, right? Is that the only yep. pick they're moving out of the out of the high picks? Okay, so Bill Guerin says they're not going to move high picks for rental players. Obviously, the buyouts of Parisi and Suter are complicating things, and that's just going to get harder starting next year so what is bill Guerin looking at is he kind of just do in the wait and see mode is he going to do kind of like what brad tree living does here he's going to take his cues from how the team is come march 3rd yeah definitely and i think this homestand where we're in the middle of it right now mm-hmm. um, but the while they're one one and one on their homestand they have four more really tough games coming up against division foes um, starting with colorado uh, tomorrow night um, obviously a team they're jostling with and the flames are jostling with in in, in the western conference standings um, i think by the end of this homestand the next four games will have a pretty clear indication of, of what bill Guerin wants to do um, i don't think it's necessarily if the wild go four and all that bill Guerin's going to turn into an immediate buyer and, and, and be willing to mortgage the future but i think if they're in a good spot after these four games he will be willing to kind of take some chances here and there maybe sacrifice a pick here a pick there um with hopes of of, of bringing in you know you know a rental talent um but i think bill garen's realistic right now with, with where the wild are at he is not willing to kind of send a first round pick or, or a top prospect for for a, for a guy that might not be here next year so it, it's a wait and see mode you're right the crazy suitor buyouts um kind of hamstring this team a little bit um i think they're playing the long game here while also trying to contend in the short term now, Brock Besser, now that's a name that's been linked to the Wild from for a few years here. He's a Minnesota native, obviously, and there is a, that's a player with some term left. Uh, Vancouver's obviously going through their little bit of a, a rebuild here as well as they start shipping off pieces. Is is that a name maybe that, that they, they like for now, or if he's still available, that might be a move they, they, they make maybe at draft day? Yeah, I, I I just can't see it right now mm-hmm. with the way the math works. Um, it, it's so hard with the crazy suitor buyouts and, yeah. and the guys that are going to still need money. Um, they don't have a lot of cap space to work with. Um, the cap's not going up significant portions anytime soon. It sounds like I guess um, you know we we don't know what that's going to look like, but yeah. but indications are it's not teams that are 
up against it right now are not going to get a huge, you know, lump sum of money coming in this off season. So uh, they like Besser, they want Besser, but I just think with the term on Besser's contract and, and, and the money he's making, mm-hmm. even if Vancouver was willing to retain some, um, I'm not sure how the money works. So uh, there's certain ways that I, I, I do think they could make it work perhaps at draft night, but I just don't see it happening um, in, in, in this season when, when they're still trying to, like I said, contend in the short term. So they're not going to send off a bunch of contracts to, to try and, you know, fit Brock Besser in while, while making the team and diluting, you know, you know, the top 12. So, uh, you know, I think it, it, it's tough, but, but it's kind of just the way it is when, yeah. when you're dealing with the buyouts that they are with, with Parisi Suter. We, we've talked to Bill Guerin about that many times. He said he'd do the move 10 times out of 10 again. Um, he likes the, the culture shift that that's been created. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is just kind of a repercussion of that. Now, Scott Wheeler from The Athletic recently ranked the Wild as having the number one prospect pool in the NHL. Marco Rossi being the mm-hmm. top forward in that group. Lit up Iowa last year. He struggled in his first go-around with the big club. He's currently back at a point-per-game pace with mm-hmm. Iowa right now. Uh, how excited are Wild Brass for this kid to finally make the league? I know he, he had COVID issues. He has some illness. He had some injury as well. But how is how's Marco Rossi doing? Uh, he's doing much better um, in the minors, I think. The, the biggest thing early on, and I think the Wild front office would even admit as much at this point, is Marco wasn't ready at the beginning of the season. I think they wanted him to be ready. Um, he, he obviously led the NHL in, in points in the preseason. But it's just a different game, yep. and, and, and veterans understand that. And I think rookies have to learn that. that just because it came easy in the preseason does not mean it's going to come easy in the regular season. And, and, you, and you saw it right away. Um, the game changed in the regular season, and, and Marco Rossi was kind of rendered ineffective. I um, mean, his confidence took a hit. And, and that's the biggest thing with these young kids. You don't want their confidence to take a hit for too long. So Bill Guerin, front office, moving down to the Myers. He's been playing really, really well. I know they're still really, really excited about him and, and, and think he has a bright future in Minnesota. Um, Wild fans within the market are upset right now because, like we just talked about, you know they can't score five on five. They're thinking, fans are thinking, well, bring Marco Rossi up, yeah. number, you know, number nine pick in the draft. You know, he could help. Um, I, I know just in, in talks with Bill Guerin, he he doesn't want to bring this kid up in the middle of what's been their worst stretch of the season. Um, you know, as far as wins and losses. Uh, and and put the pressure on him to be the kind of the savior of the franchise. You know, it's it's just a lot to put on the kid's shoulders. Um, he's already got a lot of pressure. He's already got a lot of critics in the market. You know, go down the rabbit hole of what if he comes up and in, in, in the wild don't immediately flip the switch and and Marco Ross isn't effective. That yep. just adds kind of more fuel to that fire. So it's just it's proper handling of a, of a prospect. I know it's tough for fans um, who who want to see goals, who want to see success. Um, but they're playing the long game with, with Marco Rossi and, and they don't want to tank his confidence. And no, I think it's the right move. Um, there's plenty of time um, for, for this kid to, to be up. Um, uh, you know, he's going to be up at some point this season. Um, I just think throwing him into the fire right now and when things aren't going great um, could be a recipe for the disaster. Yeah, that's one thing. You, like, we, I, I'm, I'm glad that uh, all markets feel the same about prospects and whatnot. It's not the, not far from what we see here as well. With uh, mm-hmm. if scoring's a problem, call up the guy. That that seems to solve everything. But yep. sometimes you, you definitely can burn these kids out and ruin ruin some development. We're talking with uh, Dane Mizutani, uh, Wild writer for the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Uh, Wild getting ready for a big game tomorrow night as they welcome the Colorado Avalanche, uh, big Central Division and Wild Card. 
Hilt there. Uh, Dane, you also do some work uh, writing for the Minnesota Vikings as well. I wanted yep. to get your uh, thoughts on their, uh, on what they have planned for this, uh, for this upcoming off season. A lot of, a lot of their work, uh, you know, started around that defense as well. Getting Brian Flores higher, that that's a big fix to bring in as defensive coordinator. Maybe the best DC the Vikings have had since probably Leslie Frazier, I would think. How much of that 22 yeah. defense uh, defense core will we see carry over to 2023? There's a lot of old guys in that group. Yeah, it's tough. Um, Brian Flores will be introduced tomorrow. I'm sure that's something he'll touch on. Um, but you just look at some of the pillars of the Vikings defense over the past decade, um, and you have to wonder if they're going to be here next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harrison Smith, yep. chief among them. Um, he's making 19. He has a 19 million dollar cap hit. I can promise you, he's not going to play at that. So it's going to be either Harrison Smith works with the front office as a way to figure out, okay, how do I take less to come back, or Vikings just say we're moving on. Um, same with Eric Hendricks. Um, I think the Vikings can cut him and save about ten million dollars against the cap without with very minimal dead money. So. There, there's certain guys that have been here a really long time who I still think can play. I don't think they were necessarily utilized in the best way in Ed Donatel's system this past season. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I think the Vikings are going to have to have some com- some hard conversations with veterans that have been here a really long time. Uh, and that's just the nature of the beast in the NFL and in sports at large. Um, you know, it, it's tough. Loyalty is a thing until it's not. Um, and and we're, they're in the business of winning. And if the Vikings don't think that, you know, I keep saying Harrison Smith, Eric Hendricks, um, there, there's more names within the, you the know, the Hunter. those guys. Just, exactly. Um, if they don't think that these guys with big cap hits can, can impact winning in a, in a big way, then they're going to move on. Um, but, yeah, the defense is going to look different next year. Um, but I think the biggest thing, you know, aside from personnel, though, is the defense is going to look different as, as far as scheme. I know what, what, what bothered a lot of people watching the Vikings this year is and Donatel played a soft coverage, um, always in shell, did rarely sent pressure. Um, the Vikings were one of the, the lowest teams, in, you know, in the NFL as, as far as with pressure rate. Um, you enter Brian Flores, who is as aggressive as they come with, with sending the pressure, unafraid to send the blitz at any time. Um, I think that'll be a welcome sight. Um, but in order to send pressure, you, you need to be able to, to cover in the secondary. Um, I, be, I believe the Vikings are going to have to you know, target a few cornerbacks, whether it be in the draft or free agency, you know, and, and find a way to kind of be better in the secondary because you can pressure all you want. Um, but if you can't cover downfield, um, the pressure is going to be really rendered moot. So a lot of changes coming, but excited to talk to Flores tomorrow because I think we'll get a somewhat of an indication of what he plans to do here. Offensively, Justin Jefferson, third year in the league, wins offensive player of the year, still probably just scratching the surface on what he can do as a player. Oh, yeah, look at that. He's eligible for a contract extension this offseason yeah. as well. Is it safe to say he's set to become the highest paid receiver in the game? No doubt about it. Um, and, and he deserves to be. You yeah. know, uh, like He came into this season saying, and I appreciated this quote from him, saying, I want to be the best receiver in the game. Like We hear a lot of these cookie-cutter statements now of, you know, I like this guy and that guy, and I'm just trying to be like this guy or this guy. Uh, Justin Jefferson came out in training camp and said, I want to be the best receiver in the game. I, I don't think I am right now. I think Devontae Adams is, but I think I can get to the, the top rung of the ladder. Um, and he did this year. Um, fifth in MVP voting. Mm-hmm. Um, so an, a finalist in the MVP, which has turned into a quarterback award. Uh, you know, I always compare it to, like, the Heisman ceremony, right? Yeah. Like, if, if a small school kid – gets to go to the Heisman ceremony, <laughs> that's as good as winning rooting for, him, obviously. for that small Yeah, for that small <laughs> school kid. Justin Jefferson being a finalist of the MVP 
is as good as him winning the MVP as a receiver um, in, a, in a quarterback league. You mentioned offensive player of the year. Um, he deserves everything he's going to get. And, and, and yes, he's going to be the highest paid receiver in the league this offseason. And he will remain the highest paid player or highest paid receiver in the league until the next guy exactly. <laughs> is up for, for a contract extension because that's just how it works. Market resets every offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, um, Vikings will essentially give Justin Jefferson a blank check and say, please stay with us. Whatever you want, we will we'll make it happen. Dane, thank you so much for this chat. Uh, all the best the rest of the year for the Minnesota Wild and uh, great work for the Wild and Vikings as you do with the St. Paul Pioneer Press. We'll do this again soon. Absolutely. Appreciate the time. No problem there. There you go. Dane Mizutani, uh, Minnesota Wild and Vikings rider for the St. Paul Pioneer Press. And he joined us down the uh, the Atlas Pizza the Sports Bar guest hotline using that same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344.